0: Oh, welcome to the Ground Game Podcast. I'm your host, Bushido Squirrel, and today we're doing a little bit of a debrief. We're sitting down with Ankur Patel, former candidate in AD45, and Shawnee Badger, who's from our revolution, Santa Clarita. How are you guys doing today?
1: Doing well. Thank you, uh, Bushido Squirrel, for having us on the Knock podcast.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. Feeling really good.
1: <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the election. Um, how do you feel like you did? Were you pretty happy with, with the way things worked out? Are you okay with the way the district's going now? Um... <sighs> What a tough question. Am I okay with how it turned out? Well, so in terms of how the election went, right, we had this complicated situation where we had the April 3rd special election primary, and then we had the June 5th regular election where um, all these other races were on the ballot. So on April 3rd, you know, I was all in, we spent all that time, money, energy, effort, door knocking, volunteer hours. That was the, the thermometer, the barometer of are we in this to win and after april 3rd where we got 11.4 percent of the vote fourth place where the 19 year old republican made the runoff because uh republicans vote for the r and the million dollar democrat was able to paper the whole district with mailers um it was obvious to me at least that June 5th, I wasn't going to make the runoff. So I had taken a step back kind of from April to June 5th, trying to run a different campaign. I genuinely believed, you know, could have gotten lucky, a viral video, gotten the endorsement of the NRA and won Republican votes. Joking. Or Bernie Sanders could have endorsed us and done a robocall and we could have blasted that out to 75,000 people and we had that kind of opportunity to change the dynamics. It didn't happen. So from April to June, I was running kind of a different, try to see the... Forest from the Trees campaign uh, activate with other progressive organizations and uh, other candidates and campaigns that had a chance to make, make it to November. And so... I'm still in that process now. And again, thank you for having me on to talk about what these next steps are. Well, I, I want
0: to talk about that real quick before we get into some of the the other issues we're going to talk about, but using an electoral campaign as more than just getting elected, using that to create uh, a change in the discourse, get people thinking about other stuff. Uh, what are sort of, what do you see as the options opened up after that? Like now that the election's open, where do you take that energy?
1: Well, let me take a step back and throw it over to Shawnee, who after the Bernie Sanders campaign, you know, what did that generate? How did that transition? into what we see going on now.
2: Um. Yeah, so, well, I was a Bernie Sanders delegate, and I know after the Bernie Sanders campaign, um, you know, and after the convention, um, you know, Bernie started our revolution, and then, you know, because I was so uh, involved in that presidential uh, primary, I, you know, kind of followed Bernie after that and um, uh, started... Uh, co-founded the uh, Our Revolution Santa Clarita Valley and um, we kind of have been doing a lot of different organizing you know with our city council in Santa Clarita which is very conservative Um, (laughs) and uh, you know various uh, local issues like that and um, Yeah, I think that we've really like made a change, uh, you know, in Santa Clarita, just in the Santa Clarita politics, because, you know, Santa Clarita, because it's so conservative, the Democrats are pretty moderate in Santa Clarita. So to be able to kind of like have a presence, you know, with our revolution in Santa Clarita, I feel like we've been able to really change the conversation, you know, and like kind of going to the Democratic, the local Democratic club and like talking about these progressive issues and kind of like pushing our local Democrats more um, to the left. On because the a
0: lot of the, the work that's going to bring you electoral victory in a couple of elections like has to be done now and it's not electoral work It's kind of what you're driving at. There's a bigger conversation happening here.
1: Right. Yeah, and <clears throat> from the Bernie campaign to what Shawnee just talked about to my campaign for Assembly District 45 and how does that transition moving forward, what are we building out of it? I think, you know, reflecting on why and how we didn't make the runoff you know i did 100 things wrong a day but we still taking a step forward and i think one of the big issues was starting early having serious uh capacity in terms of experienced staff fundraising and coordination between all these different progressive organizations who may support us but what is the material benefit or the 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 on the ground relevance of that ground game la came and knocked on some doors you know for two weekends in a row for my campaign that was awesome that was amazing and and seeing how we can coordinate around particular campaigns and candidates i think that's where the progressive alliance that concept of gail mclaughlin another person who ran for statewide office from that position of progressive politics is also transitioning into next steps she's pushing that California Progressive Alliance. So this Progressive Alliance in Los Angeles, progressivealliance.la, if you want to check it out, we're starting to convene these different progressive organizations. And how do we get everyone on the same page as opposed to everyone in the different silos doing the same work, but not coordinating? We can't be reinventing the wheel. That's favoring these centrist Democrats. That's favoring the people with money and doing this as part of their paid work. Whereas we as progressives kind of doing this volunteer aspect of it, we need to up our game if we're gonna if we're gonna have a chance at any of these, and I think coordinating is a big part of that, and that's where I'm at.
0: And and I want to ask uh, just uh, one last question as we dwell on the election uh, for a second. Uh, what are the pitfalls that you saw to the way you organized your campaign? Being a smaller campaign, going up against Jesse Gabriel, who had a lot of money and endorsements, and you know had worked for the Obama
1: administration,
0: like that's a big hill to climb. What do you think you would do different uh, if you could run the election again?
1: I think again, starting much earlier taking the fundraising more seriously, and then having a day-to-day campaign manager, those three points were so crucial to get early on. And I'd highly encourage other folks to, if you're running, to really focus on those early and then categorize out the different aspects of the campaign and try to plug the right people in early, right? You can't have, I mean, when you're running a volunteer-based campaign, you take what help you can get when you can get it. And sometimes you end up putting people into positions Uh, that the campaign needs communication director social media website fundraising uh, event planning volunteer coordinating whatever and they're not necessarily the best person for that but you have to have somebody somebody's willing to do it you put them in that situation and it's not as great or as efficient or as transformational as it could be you're not using the people with the right talent in the right position that is where we have to hone in and, and Starting earlier, having more people as a part of it, identifying those tasks, and then doing the better better on follow-up, onboarding, and then the, the task ladder, right? What are people doing? How are you making sure that they have an opportunity to plug into the campaign that's measurable and productive? And then when somebody demonstrates that they are effective, that they want to do it, that they are doing it, how do you elevate them in the campaign? How do you help them? And and push them into a leadership role into your campaign. I didn't do that as effectively as I could. Some of the endorsements I got in terms of the California Nurses Association and United Teachers Los Angeles, I didn't utilize those endorsements as effectively as I could have also in terms of activating those folks. And again, that task ladder, that onboarding, plugging them into the campaign and then using them to activate their networks. Those are some of those particular uh, points uh, I, I, I wish I could do again. But we learn, we're moving forward, we're gonna do it next time. No,
0: those are those are all really good points. And I think it's it's weird in America because we have this like notion anyone can run for office and anyone can like be whatever. Uh, but there's a huge logistical like mountain decline before you get there. And I wanted to ask you, Shawnee, so coming out of an election that wasn't super exciting, I feel like, for progressives, you know, there are a couple of progressive wins, but they're in blue districts already, like Rendon's got a, a progressive challenger. But for a place like Santa Clarita that's more middle of the road yes. and it's kind of a meh election. What are you doing to try and re-electrify the base?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think that um, there just needs to be more um, outreach to different... You know, in Santa Clarita, we do have... There are you know, there are progressive people in Santa Clarita. I know it because we have CalArts, and CalArts is, like, the most liberal arts school in the country. And I know that, like, there's a ton of people. There's a ton of energy there to tap into. And... Um, you know, nobody's really doing that. We're all kind of, even the, you know, I say this, I feel bad saying this, but the Democrats in Santa Clarita hardly ever win anything. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like not a lot of victories to be had. You know, the Republicans have been winning for like, you know, two decades, I think it is, in every, across the board, in assembly, in the state Senate, you know, Congress, city council, everything. So um, I think that there just needs to be more... Um, you know, like outreach, we need to have more people involved in the process in Santa Clarita because right now it's just like the same you know, 25 moderate Democrats and everything, it's like crazy and um
1: well, it's not so crazy. That's kind of the situation everywhere. Well,
2: yeah. I think it's a little bit... I think it's different in Santa Clarita than yeah. in Los Angeles. Well, and,
0: and I was going to ask, as we uh, see Santa Clarita and places like the Exurbs kind of grow and become more urban and have a lot more people move in, it seems like your calculations might be changing a little bit, or do you yeah. think they're going to maintain this kind of suburban like commuter status as communities, or will they kind of, you think, integrate more with Los Angeles metro area as a whole?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that... I mean I know our ca- our city current city council and our current like you know a- elected representatives have no interest in like being a part of Los Angeles at all. Um and I think that with you know our current political climate a lot of people are kind of getting involved but you know I think because we have so many new people potentially coming into the process I think it's really important to like radicalize those people now <laughs> before they get too sucked into the you know moderate side of things so um Yeah, I think that's what, I mean, my goal with our revolution and with DSA and with Progressive Democrats of America in Santa Clarita, kind of having like a Santa Clarita Progressive Alliance um, with those three organizations that kind of, you know, do similar work. Um, I think it's just really important that we um, do two things. We do a lot of outreach to places like CalArts or, you know, community colleges or whatever and get young people involved. But also I think being involved in the local Democratic Party, you know, the, the DAA, which is our Democratic Club, going to LACDP, and building relationships and trying to like radicalize the moderate left. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I want
0: to ask is we're kind of, I, I want to start sort of looking locally and then we'll kind of move up to a, a broader picture, but you've both mentioned the Progressive Alliance and I was hoping you could give us a little bit of background on that because I'm familiar with that uh, from Gail McLaughlin and and her uh, her run, but for people who aren't, can you describe what it is and where the idea is going?
1: So, Gail McLaughlin started a progressive alliance in Richmond, uh, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago. Richmond has, what, 100,000, 200,000 people. And even in that small city where you had a giant Chevron uh, corporation buying city council seats, you you had progressives who weren't coordinated. There was no electoral power because whatever the issues were, they were Uh, separated and siloed off so they created this progressive alliance with the specific objective of electing specific people to their city council to challenge Chevron now obviously Los Angeles compared to Richmond is very different and we had Gail McLaughlin at this meeting that we had on May 24th where ground game was represented DSA was represented a couple of progressive Democratic clubs were represented um, our revolutions different chapters were represented it it, in it was not enough there was so so many other progressive organizations that we didn't do enough outreach to we didn't get them in the door at that one meeting but so what we got those folks together we're figuring out how to move forward and the big crux of the 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 situation and and what we're trying to do with this progressive alliance in LA is as opposed to bringing progressive individuals together to win a small city council seat um, we're trying to bring progressive organizations together so that we can have this cultural change on the progressive side of things in Los Angeles, right? The ramifications would be huge because right now we feel it. So many different progressive organizations, be it the environmental organizations just on the environment, can't agree on what the plan to get to, 100% 100% renewable energy is uh, all the people in healthcare are having different struggles about how to approach 562. People in education are battling charter schools versus public education or higher education at different level. So all these different uh, and racial justice, right? Black Lives Matter or the end, ending jails or the s- s- w- different ways that all these different organizations are honed in on their issue and their strategies. They might all be right, but we're not having that, that discussion in collaboration in a way that says. Let's really prioritize what is going to be the winning strategy. Let's all get on board and let's make it happen. And it's not my place to say this is the best strategy and this is what we should be focusing on. But we need to have a place, a communication, a connective tissue where we can figure that out as progressives collaborate and move forward to win power, right? Cultural power, economic power, political power. These different aspects are what we should be prioritize, well, it's hard to say what we're prioritizing. I don't know. Well, I was I was, I, I was,
0: was going to ask when uh, as you're kind of sketching out this organization, this is kind of to, to both of you, are, are you looking at something that is super top-down and hierarchical like a Politburo for LA's progressive scene? Uh, are you looking at something more hierarchical that's just sort of a discussion? Like what, what do you think a well-functioning progressive alliance in any city will look like?
2: I mean, all the things you mentioned, but also too I just wanted to add like um, I think some of these different, you know, organizations are also just doing duplicate work. It's it's that they disagree on stuff too, for sure. But I think there's also like a huge, like a huge aspect of it is that a lot of groups are just doing the same work over and over and over, you know. And I think that having one thing that I think is important about the Progressive Alliance and why it's so important is. Um, you know, communication amongst these different progressive groups, not just to like get on the same page with like, you know, how to solve problems, but just like getting on the same page with like, you're doing the same work over there, I'm doing the same work over here, they're doing the same work over there, why don't we all just work together? Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, the way I see it is like, it's not so much, um, you know, there's no like hierarchy, I don't see it as it being like, you know, top down, I'm seeing it more as like, all the different groups are doing their different things. And I think the job of the Progressive Alliance is just to, like, be that communication. And, like, you know, on the website, we have, like, an event page. And I think, you know, if all the different groups, you know, utilize that web page before planning an event, they'll see, like, oh, this group is already doing this on Saturday. Maybe we should just direct our people there. Or we should talk to them and see, you know, just, like, communication. I think that's really important because I think that's what's lacking in, in Los Angeles. You know, I feel like... You know, if I'm in one room doing something and people are in other rooms doing other things, there's no way that we're like communicating with you. I don't know what you're doing. You're in a whole different room, you know, and this is kind of like so we can all get in the same room and we all know what each other is doing. Yeah.
1: And so a big piece of it, I think, is really focusing on the different progressive organizations and facilitating and prioritizing their objectives right different organizations are at different levels right dsala with all this influx of Bernie energy versus americans for democratic action uh organization founded by eleanor roosevelt that's older and hasn't picked up a lot of that energy but still is in the same ethos how are we um building our own individual organizations how do we see us working in a complicated ecosystem of progressive politics uh not just in los angeles but at the national level and and i think that's a big part of it so the the progressive alliance focusing in on different organizations having representatives at or for or given information to and sharing it amongst the progressive alliance is where it's it's not top down it's not hierarchical we're not telling people to do this is an opportunity for different organizations to get their stuff together and share it with other progressive organizations who may agree with it may not agree with it but at least we know about it like shani was saying instead of doing the same thing in three different places uh, targeting the same potential el- elected official or the same policy we can coordinate and have that bigger impact to and also getting ahead of the curve, right? Right, June 6th, you know, the establishment was already looking at not just November 2018, but 2020. We haven't gotten that, right? We had so many races where we had multiple progressives split the vote, and either the centrist Democrat or two Republicans or whatever it is made it, right? And and now progressives are chewing each other out. That's, that's not how it should be. But if we get started earlier, that's where I think the progressive alliance can have this year long, long term organizing perspective with, again, uh, a a bottom up, inclusive uh, communication kind of focus. And it'll 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 it's up to us. You know, of course, it's up to us to make sure that we are listening, sharing, not stepping on toes, not cutting our finger to spider hand type of things that that often happen. And then again, focusing on where we can win.
2: Um, I just want to add really quick, too. Um, I think another important thing is like how there's so many uh, different, you know, positions that were unopposed and they're like held by a moderate Democrat or by a Republican and nobody ran against them. Like no progressive ran against
0: yeah, uh, them. Yeah, uh, uh, Sheila cool, yeah. right? Yeah. One of the most powerful people in L.A. County controls the lives of, of 12 million people. Uh, and nobody thought that she might be able to be challenged at all. Uh
1: which is weird. And even uh, Hilda Solis, who did have challengers, very weak challengers. It, it was flipped. Sheila Kuehl had two challengers. Oh, you're uh, right, President you're right. and Hilda Solis was unopposed. But exactly right, right? The County Board of Supervisors, by my count, there were about 60, 60, uh, uh, how do you call it? 60 races that were not competitive 60 congressional state assembly state senate races in California that were not competitive but we had 30 people running for governor in U.S. Senate yeah they had no chance from the start
2: and I feel like that's like that's something that I think the progressive alliance can also focus on basically just like because I don't think a lot of people knew that those seats were unopposed or people weren't paying attention to those you know particular races so I think yeah just like bringing that to people's awareness and consciousness so then you know, hopefully there will be a progressive challenger in those different races.
0: And also hopefully finding, because uh, I I know one thing that Ground Game is looking at and that we were always on the hunt for is looking for community members who might want to run for office, who might be a good... Fit because it's you don't want to go out looking for a politician to fill an office. It seems better to find somebody who would who would work for something. But I did want to uh, follow up on this with you because our revolution uh, got off the blocks at about the same time as brand new Congress. Right. And brand new Congress has done nothing at all. They seemed really exciting. I went to a couple of their meetings to see what they were about. Uh, and then when I heard their plan and they tapped me to like be on the West Side, and I was like, I'm not running somebody against Karen Bass. Like, where? W- why would I do that? Why would I challenge somebody who's doing well? But we need a better structure to focus on that. I was wondering if you could talk about how our revolution can kind of do that as a national kind of umbrella and how well they communicate with like local chapters like Mm -hmm. yours.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I do think that our revolution of the different groups that came out of that election, you know, also Justice Democrats. That's another one that came out. And I just I think that something that sets our revolution apart that kind of makes it more effective is just that there's that name recognition with our revolution and Bernie Sanders and so many people started local chapters. It's the organization is international now. I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, there are seven groups, you know, seven international groups. And, you know, are these
0: like expats or, or they're running in the local elections in those countries. Yeah. Okay.
2: So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, our revolution is defi- definitely more effective. And I think that, you know, at the very beginning, our revolution, there w- it was kind of rocky, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just because it was a new organization. And, you know, even now still, I think there are some, you know, problems with communication amongst the national... Organization and the local chapters. We but were
1: on a conference call we were on a with conference Nationals call. specifically talking about Delane Easton So in California there was something like 17 our revolution chapters up and down that endorsed Delane Easton And you know, maybe another 20 or 30 that went no endorsement, right? Gail McLaughlin got like 38 endorsements from different our revolution. Wow. chapters. It's not that
2: they didn't It's not that they went no endorsement It's that they didn't vote to endorse at all. They did not to focus on that race oh, at all. Oh, okay. Because if it was no endorsement, you know, then I could see. So
0: they they skipped the governor's race, but they they yeah. did go down to the lieutenant governor's race. Yeah,
2: and a lot of these like local chapters like in California are not like with, they don't have membership, they don't meet regularly. You know, some people just, you know, when, when Bernie announced our revolution, they signed up to get a local chapter and they got, you know, they, they got all the tools to start that local chapter and then they didn't really do anything with it. And that was kind of the situation, you know, with Santa Clarita. It wasn't until I kind of like took the reins and I was like, you know, we need to do something with this group. And so, you know, that's why we have the local chapter in Santa Clarita. Is, but, but a lot of people haven't been organizing their groups.
1: And I think this applies to so many progressive organizations on the left, where yeah. you have people who have regular meetings and pontificate, armchair, we can do all these big things, we're so important. And then when election come around they're not mobilizing nobody they're not doing no door knocking they're not raising funds they're not making phone calls but they still have this kind of importance like we're doing all this stuff and we can affect change but really are you and that's where the progressive alliance can say look at this organization that organized this event and impacted this policy by doing this work what about you over here? Like you, mm-hmm. you learn and it could be uh, you know, lifting all boats. All organizations can get better by seeing who's doing well and what the practices are and, and what works and what doesn't work so that we're not doing the same thing and repeating failing attempts. Right. So that's and our revolution is a great example of that where you have all as Shawnee said, so many different chapters that are on the whole spectrum, some that aren't doing anything, some that are mobilizing a hundred people and doing the phone banks and the door knocking and all four progressive candidates who are championing our, our, our powerful Medicare single payer for all and all wars, transitional 100% renewable energy and jails raise the minimum wage. You know, we have a powerful platform and it's, it's clear we all know it as burners. This is what we stand for free college, great public education, because that's what we need, not wars and, and police. And, and we know these things, And we agree, but we need to take that next step and and actually implement some of this stuff.
0: Yeah, I I wanted to ask, you know, like here at Ground Game, um, I feel very lucky to have the people that I I work with because we're all fairly self-accountable and like everyone's pretty much a self-starter and it's kind of pulled together into something more easy than any other part in my political life, because when you're running these and you're counting on people to be volunteers, we're not in the big money game on the side of the Republicans, it makes things a little bit harder. So I was gonna ask kind of lived experience, what's the best strategy you found for getting people kind of to go that extra mile, to see the extra like work getting put in that it'll pay off?
2: Oh, um <laughs> I mean okay, this might sound so silly. But I really feel like the, the best way to like mobilize people is to make it fun. Like mm-hmm. that sounds so silly, but I know that like at any time I put on an event where I like have karaoke afterwards or I have a movie afterwards or I have like you know you know, anything ghost to ghost hunting. Like, yeah, ghost hunting. I did a ghost hunting thing where like we did phone banking out of a haunted hotel room. I mean, it's just stuff like that that like makes it fun and interesting. It makes people want to show up because, you know, some of this work is like not fun (laughs) and people don't want to do it because it's boring and not fun. So if you if you make it fun and you make it social, then people I really think will come and, you know.
1: And let me give work. you a yin to that yang. Um, I'm I'm sometimes not as fun. As I mean, fun. I, I gotta
2: say
0: we're 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 huge fans of karaoke fundraisers over here at yeah. Ground Games. Yeah. So anytime you want to do
1: that, <laughs> but but on the on the other end of things, I I generally agree. Fun is good. Um, but winning, right? Having measurable results showing that your volunteer hours actually generated some sort of result—that is another way to get people to come back because even if you spend an hour or two hours, you have fun doing whatever in the political sphere, but there's no measurable, tangible results out of it. You're like, okay, let me go find another organization that is gonna help accomplish my objectives.
0: And I I think that's an interesting line to read because at some point, like, you need people to show up with energy, but you also need them going to the polls and you need to like rack up electoral wins and you need to do stuff like that. And it gets very weird, I feel like, especially in progressive circles where it can be a little bit looser with the organizing and then you have these very tight strictures on how you're able to raise money and spend it when you actually get into campaign season. Uh, and that seems like a hard one to negotiate. And it's weird to always be minding your P's and Q's but also not like be uh, be killing people's desire to want to get into this. Um, what do you guys see coming up in the next couple of months as you're ramping up to November? Like how are you going to combine these different kind of points of tension, because that's what all organizing is, i found, is finding different things that don't work and figuring out like, wait, how do I make these work together? How do I smooth over that that wrinkle, that, that broken piece in the system?
1: Well, I think this is part of it, just getting this message out there, bringing people together and, and then, again, being inclusive and prioritizing what needs to happen. We know homelessness and housing is such a serious issue. We know that there's billions of dollars allocated, and we know the establishment is going to try and put that money into developer pockets and police pockets, and we need to be organized to challenge it. We know there are real solutions with the She Does movement, with safe parking, and we need to hone in on that and implement that. We know that we have uh, uh, electoral problems. We just had, what, 130,000 people left off the rolls in L.A. County, right, in terms of— specifics on that issue we know costa hawkins is going to be a galvanizing issue the rent is too damned high and we have a specific ballot initiative that can help address this there's another ballot initiative to 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 redirect resources from the 3.5 billion dollars for the jails and, and and to this other way we have black lives matter showing up outside of jackie Lacey's office every thursday so we have these points of action going on consistently and then we also have things like the left coast forum right that's supposed to be an event where we bring folks together August 24th to the 26th, something in that range. We have these other opportunities. We have progressives in the runoff. How are we actually going to consolidate, coordinate, and support people like Maria Estrada against uh, uh, Anthony Rendon, the Speaker of the State Assembly who shelved single-payer health care? There is no sim- more of a symbolic campaign than that. That We have people like Alex Villanueva, a sheriff candidate, a Democrat, uh, talking some progressive against a incumbent sheriff who's literally promoted the same people who protected jailhouse abuse so we have these series of different things and just putting it out there seeing what raises to the top and then facilitating the 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 communication coordination and and the direct action to make wins happen in some of these races is i think the next war is, is the work for the next month next two months and then as we get into august september october november closer to that election that's where we really have to hit our groove
0: yeah I was going to say with uh, Villanueva, just to mention this, my favorite fact out of that campaign is that he spent the least amount of money by like a factor of 20. Like he had 27 grand that he raised versus 585,000 for McDonald and 700,000 for Bob Lindsay. And it was basically the I don't want to cooperate with ICE was worth more money than gold there. And I was really excited by that. Uh, Shawnee, to dial in a little bit on Santa Clarita specifically, what do you see as the option, or, or what do you see for being able to pull Santa Clarita? closer to like LA progressives do you think that the progressive scene out there needs to flourish and kind of blossom on its own because it isn't it's a weird space it's kind of a commuter commuter community it's also not it's just that our state is so huge and the city is so huge that something nearly 100 miles away is kind of kind of seen as an exurb but is also kind of an alien land when you compare it to downtown LA
2: yeah I mean I think that with Santa Clarita (laughs) it is a weird place and you know I don't know i i would like to jump from like republican to like socialist like right now (laughs) i don't think
1: we're kind of in the middle with the congress race and the state assembly race
2: right yeah i mean that's what i mean like you know i mean we can't have like a socialist but there are you know there is some like i don't know progressive-ish candidates that we have running against our republican incumbents we have katie hill and christy smith and you know i'm going to support them um but i do think that there's like a bigger picture to look at and I think that you know focusing on you know I don't know I want to look at you know 2020 (laughs) like in Santa Clarita at least I think that's a good you know I want to help Maria Estrada too though we've endorsed Maria Estrada but I think that like it's really important for uh, me and our revolution in Santa Clarita to just start like really building um our progressive base and getting those progressives you know, what I want them to do, hopefully, is encourage them to get involved in the Democratic Party and, you know, kind of infiltrating that with the ADEM elections and, you know, getting involved with LACDP and maybe even getting elected to LACDP um, because I think that's the only way that, you know, we will have progressive wins, you know, in Santa Cruz, but also, you know, in L.A. County, too. I was at LACDP last night and it was literally, uh, uh, oh, gosh, I can't remember Zaneda's dad's name. What's his name? Oh, no. Mr. Weirda. Yeah. And it was literally him and I. And that's like the only former Bernie delegates, you know, that were there. And there used to be more, like more people used to come to LACDP, but now nobody really comes. And I think, you know, it's really sad. We need to get more people involved in the in the Democratic Party, I think.
0: So uh, we're going to assume for the purposes of this question that, you know, 2018 works out or the, the general goes down in line with expectations. You know, the incumbents kind of sail through. There's no big upsets. But you guys are looking to 2020 now. What are the pressure points that you want to look at? What are the places where you think you're going to be the most effective as we enter into the 2020 presidential and larger national elections? Because I think the midterm is going to be important for setting the tone, but 2020 is really where the money is going to be on the table.
1: Yeah, 2020, right. Um, we're in this space where these career politicians are playing musical chairs. Uh, we're We've been playing checkers and they've been playing chess. And we need to flip the script. So looking at 2020, it's it's again, I, I don't I can't emphasize it enough. Start looking at races early. Identify where we're going to be able to challenge uh, effectively. And in this cycle, 2018 has really helped us identify progressives who are willing to run, who could run, who maybe and also progressives who shouldn't run. Right. And 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 really, really align all that stuff. But then also sharpen our tools, our text banking, our phone banking, our our data operations, our email, our social media all that stuff is going to get sharpened through this 2018 cycle and going into 2020 we need to be ready to pounce Right? looking at the presidential race we have no idea where it's going to go we have a feeling that Bernie's going to throw in again but that's not for sure depending on how all these other folks get lined up if it's Eric Garcetti, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren who knows who jumps in the race still Hillary Clinton could get back in it oh
2: god (laughs) <laughs> also, I'm fairly confident Bernie will run.
0: Yeah, it, it seems like he's going to if he's if he's alive. But I wanted to turn the question to you. So, out in Santa Clarita, um, and as an organizer and activist specifically, uh, what are you seeing as the pressure points you want to go after, either electorally or outside of like the the campaign specifically?
2: Um, I mean, <laughs> if if uh, if we you know we still have Steve Knight, I definitely would like to. Tackle that, but I mean, maybe hopefully, Katie Hill will. Uh,
0: can I can I uh, say real quick? Yeah. How are you feeling about that campaign right now? Because it, it seems like it's more of a toss-up. Uh, Steve Knight got fifty-three percent, but if you combine the top two Democrats, they pulled forty-eight percent. So it doesn't seem like he's as safe as he could be, especially if like the Democrats can get their stuff together. But I I, I might be an outlier on that one.
2: Right, and and like, I mean, it's Santa Cruz. It's just so it's so crazy. There's so much like just infighting and drama in santa clarita like we had a really ugly primary yes like it was ugly and and you know and you
0: don't just mean from the republicans
2: no yeah not not even from the republicans at all i mean specifically strictly within the democratic party we had like an ugly primary Mm -hmm. you know with a lot of like lying negative mailers from and it's not just from one person there's there's a lot of negativity across the board i mean that's that's just my take on it there was negativity across the board in in every campaign every single one (laughs) um and i don't know i i don't know how if it's like that here or you know if it's i think it's slightly different because it's a republican area and we all we do is lose in santa clarita so i just i think that it's just that it's different there so um yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not super like I'm not, you know, I mean, I want Katie Hill to win for sure. Um but I you know, I'm not super excited. I'm not like, "Yes!" like you know. And and I I think I'm not I'm not as bad as some other people. There's a lot of people who just, you know, I've heard them say they're not going to they're not going to mobilize at all for her, which is really sad. Yeah. Because we need to get rid of Steve Knight, and some a lot of people are going to let their personal, you know, feelings and the you know the drama and the infighting get in the way of getting rid of steve knight and that's really sad but it's, it's i don't know that's the way that it, it's been it yeah. was like that last time it's it's always been like that in santa clarita from, kind from of what a, i know
0: the the fear of incrementalism does tend to to hobble people who would, are kind of like center plus i find and that can be like a real problem when like i want to be an idealist which is why i you know, call myself a fully automated, gay, space, luxury communist, but at the same time, like I'll vote for a Democrat. You know, like I'm pragmatic in that, like I don't want the Republicans to have that seat of power. But it becomes problematic when you when you're preaching, you know, uh, politics of aspiration, politics of reform and revolution, and then you're like, oh, but by the way, you kind of might have to pull the trigger on Katie Hill, uh, and you may not totally like that, but we really need it in the short term in order for us to get to the long term, and that's a hard vision to lay out I feel
1: yeah. like. And and let me and let me go back to your points of pressure also leading up to 2020. Past 2018 we have the ADEMs in January 2019, oh, yeah. right? That's a point of pressure. That's going to be a contentious. But in 2020 and I know ground game is focusing on city council races, school board, LAUSD. You know, this is where the next generation of imprintable minds are being convinced that capitalism is the best solution and and charter schools are, are the way to go so city council and school board especially in LA are, are going to be important races to look at in 2020 because yeah. we always get swept away with presidential, with Congress, as I mentioned before, right? Those are the things that are at the top of our minds, but where do can we really make that impact, especially in Los Angeles, right? All the even-numbered seats are going to be up for election in the city council and all the odd-numbered seats for, for school boards. So those are uh, 12 important races that will impact the future of Los Angeles City, therefore California therefore the world. So those are some specific pressure points outside of those congressional and presidential races that I think we need to, again, start early. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think that's something that's holding back Santa Clarita from kind of like catching up with the rest of L.A. County is like we have our super conservative city council and we don't ever, oh my God, we don't ever run good candidates Mm. for city council. It never happens. Like, no, it's just so it's so sad. So, yeah, I think that's definitely something I would focus on. Santa Clara would be like running really good, strong, progressive candidates um, for city or hoping that they would challenge our, you know, current city council. Um, so, yeah, definitely that. And then um, ADMS, And then in 2020, there's also, I believe, LACDP. Membership elections too, so definitely getting people elected to the LACDP, I think, would be really LACDP, important.
1: LACDP, Los Angeles County Democratic Party. Yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah. I talk no like worries. everyone knows
2: what it is. Yeah, no,
0: we <laughs> we do a lot of jargon, and uh, sometimes I forget because I'm so used to it, and then yeah. like people will come to a ground game meeting and like look like a lost puppy, and we have to stop and be like, hey, wait, somebody explain like those 12 letters you just threw out.
2: Also, I don't know if you want to edit this in, but I remembered it's, it, so it's Henry Huerta and I were the oh, yes, only yes. people at LACDP. You can throw that in yeah. if you want. <laughs>
0: well, I, I want Just to sure ask we're we're, as we're as uh, we're getting towards the end here before we uh, touch on the Progressive Alliance once more, uh, what advice do you guys have for like somebody looking to get into a race and somebody who's looking to like support and build grassroots structures? We'll start with you, Anger.
1: So before you get into a race, you got to be genuine about talking to people and getting a real assessment of... Do you have charisma enough? Do you have base enough? Do you have work experience or something that's gonna give you that story that's gonna resonate with people in your district? Do you know your district well enough? Are, is the demographics right? Well, that basic thing, a lot of candidates didn't do that kind of work before getting into the race. That's, that's really important. Can you raise money? Are you willing to raise money? Do you have a full-time job you can't give up? Because you need to be a full-time candidate. I'm I, 100% against people who think that they can do it on the side. That's a waste of their time and energy. They should get on board with somebody else who can be doing it full-time. Those are a couple of those key points to look at as a candidate if you're going to try and get into this race. And then, and then just you know, again, be realistic assessment, self-assessment. You have to be. Otherwise, we're going to continue to run. People are going to run and shoot themselves in the foot and then shoot everyone in the foot because they're splitting the vote because their ego or whatever it is is preventing them from realizing they don't have a chance of winning. And this other person might have just enough of a chance if you got on board. And then and that kind of conflict is Something yeah, that really no, addressed starting the, early. The
0: the financialized matter of our campaigns makes it really hard because, like, I interviewed Angelica Duenas, and she was a, a lovely woman running for green out in uh, the 29th Congressional District, um, you know, did, like, 3% of the vote, like, respectable for somebody who's never run before, but, you know, as a working mother, you can't manage that campaign, and it's a huge bar to people who should have access to being able to run or have a valid voice, and that's one where... I still feel like it's hard because you want to run campaigns that win, you want to run candidates that win, But then that locks out a bunch of people who would also be a good voice in there. And that's not something we're going to fix here. The Progressive Alliance is going to fix like that's a larger structural issue. But it's one that like gnaws at me, I have to say, like at night when I'm thinking like, hey, how do we get the Congress we want when we have this totally broken system that decides that? Uh, But on the organizer end, uh, Shawnee, for people who are interested in getting active, uh, getting the people around them active and activated, what kind of advice do you have for people who are getting started out as organizer and uh, activist?
2: I think, uh, yeah, I just think communication is really, really important and, 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 you know, um, I mean, don't start an organization if there's already an organization (laughs) doing the work, but, um, yeah, just like, you know, being a team player and like, you know, working with, you know, people in your area and, and I don't know, making things fun. I think that's really important and, and getting people excited about what you're doing, um, yeah, that's yeah. that's no, pretty you, much pretty simple.
0: You you can't have an, a, a community organization without a community, and I think yeah, that's that's a really key exactly. point that a lot of people in politics miss, is mm-hmm. they think like I'll build this thing and then people will come, and it's like no no the people are already here. You need to figure out what they want built. Yeah. Uh, but lastly, uh, Progressive Alliance, uh, you guys are doing stuff. Uh, where can people find you? How can they get involved? Uh, where should they look for updates? Uh, other exciting like goings on?
1: Yeah, the center right now is Progressive dot where you can input your information we'll be reaching out to folks we're going to have a, a conference call zoom chat meeting we're trying to schedule it between organizations who have already signed up trying to figure out what schedules work and if we can get representation for folks but we're going to be having regular maybe bi-weekly monthly little chats and email chains but progressivealliance.la check it out sign up uh submit your ideas, submit your events. You can submit your events as an organization on the website right there, and we'll put it up on the calendar. It's kind of bare right now, but that's why we're out here talking to knock, talking to Ground Game, getting out there and letting folks know that this is the kind of resource that we're trying to put together and uh, encourage people to participate with the Progressive Alliance at ProgressiveAlliance.LA.
0: And uh, Shawnee, for uh, Revolution LA, how can people get involved, uh, Santa Clarita or outside of Santa Clarita?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, if you go to our uh, ProgressiveAlliance.LA, if you click on allies, it's our revolution Santa Cruz slash the DSA Santa Cruz, We're like, you know, we're like a team. Um, if you click on that, you can like find our Facebook group where we're doing events. And I mean, I don't know if anyone listening wants to get involved in Santa Cruz. I think it's really important because y'all in LA are really ahead of us and we need help. So... <laughs>
0: help us. Team. I mean, yeah, but, and we're a team. <laughs> but but if you guys can radicalize Cal Art some more, you're going to have like the best progressive art oh, gosh, in the country.
2: for sure. Our our our, you know, flyers and branding is going to be off the charts cuz they're so good. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you guys very much for joining us. And uh, for the rest of you out there, you know, keep looking for uh, progressive places to get involved. Look out for the Progressive Alliance coming up in 2020. And Ground Game and Knock is going to be here, you know, uh, giving endorsements and voter guides and all that fun stuff. So hopefully you turn in. Thank you guys.